So clearly, Jesus is revealed in every book of the Bible. John 5 says, the Scripture speaks of me. Jesus said the Bible speaks of him. Jesus is in Genesis. Jesus is in Exodus. Uh, We're all the way into the New Testament where Jesus is revealed in the book of Ephesians. And um, today, I'm going to draw some parallels that are very unique to how Jesus is revealed in both New Testament and Old with some parallels from Ephesians and Genesis. So what we're wanting to do is make you students of the Word. I don't want to just preach you up. I want to challenge you to grow deeper. That is really the objective for us as a a group of Christians, followers of Christ, believers gathering. May the Lord strengthen us in our understanding of who He is as a result of our surrendered available lives. Uh, So I want you to think in these terms. This is how we'll start today. I want you to think of somebody in your life who makes you a better person. They bring out the best in you. They inspire you. Now, I know you can think of somebody who brings out the worst in you. Don't do that. Think of the person, the one person who brings out the best in your life. They, because of them, you live your life in a more flourishing expression. Because of them, you're a better person. You're a better parent, perhaps, better friend. That person brings out the best in you. This is, the, the, as you think about that individual, how many of you have that person in mind? Can I just see you raise your hand? Okay, most of us have uh, that person that came to mind pretty quickly. But what I want you to realize is that the book of Ephesians reveals Jesus as the one who awakens God's blessing in the earth, bringing out the best in all humanity. That's how Jesus is revealed in the book of Ephesians. So when you go back and you read the book of Ephesians and you start to see from that angle and perspective, and if you'll, I'm not going to go, I've got too many things to cover and parallels to draw to focus in on history and context of, each, of this book, which I normally do. It's on the blog. You can go and check that out uh, and see some of those things that will be helpful to you in understanding the book. But very clearly, Jesus is revealed as the one who awakens God's blessing in the earth, bringing out the best in all humanity. How many of you know the world would be a better place if people could just know the Lord? The world would be a better place if people just knew Jesus. So what we want to do is try and understand that and cooperate with that so that we become the best he's called us to be and we can help others to become the best that he's called them to be. We say that in our church family with a core value expression. And I want you to think about it. We bring it up uh, fairly often just to remind everybody. But here's the way it breaks down in our declaration in the five core values. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord. Just say it with me. With irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Simply put, be your best and help others to do the same. That's what it boils down to. Be loving people, pursuing God with generous lifestyles as we understand submission and relationship and help others to walk that out. And it's such a beautiful expression of what the the Trinity and the, the community of God as we're created in the image of community God and how that's all to function as we cooperate together. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're devoted to being a part of the local family. It's a part of God's expression for us as the church. How many of you have been frustrated with the church before? Can I just see your hand? I raised mine before you, you realize. Uh, we all understand that. that. That's not an issue. That is not an issue. Don't let that be the issue in your life. Because the fact is, if we want to be like Jesus, we need to understand Jesus loves the church. So we need to be those that love the church, even though the church can frustrate us. How many of you, um, your family can frustrate you? Can I just see? Like, they know your buttons, right? 
And so that's what this becomes. He's our father. We're brothers and sisters. We are like family here, and that's why there will be from time to time family-style frustrations that go on. It's just a normal part. How many know it's easy to be loving, patient, and kind when everybody's being perfect? But you don't live in a perfect world, and if you want to grow in love, patience, and kindness, get around imperfect people. Welcome to Destiny. I'm glad you're here today. We're going to grow together in this thing as we walk it all out. We're going to start in Ephesians 1.3. I just want to say the statement again so that you, you think about this, and, and it's your frame of reference. Jesus is revealed as the one who awakens God's blessing in the earth, bringing out the best in all humanity. Ephesians 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So very specifically, this blessing, it's not an ambiguous blessing. It's a very uh, clearly defined blessing that we can find in the Old Testament. And we're going to draw some parallels today and see clearly how Jesus was being revealed in a unique and powerful way. But your first blank, if you would write it in, Jesus awakens God's blessing to Abraham into all the earth. When God wanted to bring his blessing into the earth, he came to Abraham, and Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness, and through Abraham then would come the lineage that Jesus would be born as a descendant of Abraham, and literally then open up all of humanity. You don't just have to be a child of Abraham to become a child of Abraham now. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Can anybody in here celebrate today? Through Jesus, we're a part of the promise of this wonderful blessing. And so we read about this in Genesis 22, verse 2, and the Bible says, God said, take your son, your only son, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So we see a parallel here being drawn by Isaac and Jesus. Take your son, your only son, who you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. What? Where is this? This is the region of Moriah. Okay? And as we look at that and we evaluate, there's something really unique that we need to understand. First, I'm going to give you some speculative opinion. This is not theological conclusion, and I, I personally don't appreciate when people get up, and they, Tracy and I talk about this often, and they talk about some speculative conclusions they've drawn from their theological study, and they treat it as if it's absolute fact. Okay, this is not that. This is fun, debatable conversation that I want to explain to you here. I believe that Isaac was not a small child that Abraham had to carry up the mountain because, in fact, the Bible says... Isaac carried the wood up the mountain. How many of you know no little baby's going to be carrying wood up a mountain? Isaac had to at least be a young man. Personally, I believe, and there is room for this in Scripture without certainty, but I believe Isaac was a true type of Christ, 33 years old, and when he carried the wood up the mountain, one day a Messiah would come who would carry the wood of the cross up the hill Is that an earthquake? I think, I'm thinking, what in the world, Lord? Easy. <laughs> so, 
So anyway, uh, Isaac carries the wood up the mountain, and Jesus would carry the cross up the mountain. I believe the same age, just my personal opinion. Some people will take exception to that. Most theologians, theologians put Isaac at least in his 20s, but I believe he was right there as a perfect picture of Christ. Uh, Isaac gets to the top of the mountain. What happens? Isaac is laid back on the wood as the sacrifice, the only son being sacrificed. Jesus climbed the, uh, the mountain with the cross, gets up there, and what happens? Lays him back on the wood, on the cross, to be the sacrifice for us. Archaeological evidence would suggest that clearly there is room that this could be, we don't know with accuracy, but this could be the exact spot where Isaac was brought into that posture of sacrifice could have been the exact spot where one day Jesus would be crucified on a cross. I want you to know God is intricately, specifically at work with details beyond our wildest imagination. How many of you know God is trying to put the pieces together for our lives to be blessed? Come on, let's just clap that in and declare it today. We expect and we express the blessing of God Almighty. He is mightily at work. And then we, we read something really unique that helps us understand this blessing from a very unique definition Verse, uh, that goes on in that chapter. And of course, you know the story, the ram's caught in the thicket and, uh, and, and Isaac's life is spared and, and Abram passes the test, if you will. And this is what happens as a result of, of Abraham having faith, believing God, it says, I will surely, verse 17 and 18, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So then we see Ephesians defining that blessing in all of our lives. But let me just point out something about that scripture we just read. It said, the stars in the sky and the, the sand on the seashore. The blessing up there and the blessing down here. This is a really important parallel. And let me explain it this way. Jesus came from heaven. Jesus Christ. His last name was not Christ. <laughs> he was Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is born, given a common name. There were many people named Jesus in Jesus' day. But Jesus is born. And over the course of time, I mean, you just have to understand this. He had to figure out who he was just like you and I have to figure out who we are. He had to come to grips with the reality, I am the chosen one. I am. The, it's not like he was full language. How many of you know Jesus was uh, perhaps a little bratty and colicky when he was an infant? And like Joseph, you know, could have been, you know, I know I'm holding the Savior of the world, but if he could just go to sleep right now, we're needing some rest. How many of you know? Like real life happens around the, the Savior. Jesus then would grow, and, and who knows how this was like as a child, and, and coming into that place of awareness, of understanding who he was, that's the same journey you and I are, are on. Are there any sons or daughters of God in this place? Yes, you are. Through Christ, you are sons of God, daughters of God, walking in the blessing of God, understanding that, coming into that in a greater awareness of what God has done. It's vitally important that you get this so your life can flourish because God's plan is that your life flourishes in such a way that everyone around you, their lives begin to flourish. God's kingdom has come in the earth. We are here. 
His kingdom has come. And when you see and you begin to look at and evaluate this, it reveals something so unique, both the sky and the dirt, both the heaven and the earth, Jesus Christ born into the earth, Jesus dies, he's resurrected from the grave, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. We all agree on this, right? But the Christ is not seated at the right hand of the Father because the Christ never left the earth. Jesus ushered the Christ, that's the anointing of the Messiah, into the earth, and you and I now are the body of Christ, the body of God's anointing, the body carrying the power, the body who are the sons and daughters of God. We are the Jesus to our generation. We are the Jesus movement. Let's don't just go through the Jesus motions. Let's be the Jesus movement. And so we read this in Ephesians 1 as there begins to be more definition, verses 7 to 10. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Let me just say you're blessed. With all wisdom and understanding, notice both of those, wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity, here it is, to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You and I need to understand God's blessing reaches into two dimensions. It's a a two-dimensional expression. If you go back and study this, it's interesting, but the first time God announces he's going to bless Abraham's life, has anyone ever noticed this? It's in Genesis 13, and he says, your descendants are going to be as vast as the dust is to the earth. And then in Genesis 16, he's talking to, to Abraham again, and he says, your descendants are going to be as vast as the stars are of the sky. And I just think, God, make up your mind. Is it like the dust or is it like the stars? And God's response is yes. And I believe this is something that we need to understand. I believe that we desperately need to understand this. This is a central core component of my life. This is the foremost call of God on my life to help people understand what I'm about to say. We must learn to keep our practical lives spiritual and to keep our spiritual lives practical. Let me just say, you uh, as a family need to pray together and you need to have fun together. You as a family need to have fun together and you need to pray together. Like this is not as hard as you think, okay? It's, It's pretty easy, in fact, uh, yesterday we had a little family prayer time and um, you know this is not like anointing oil starts going and, and the worship team comes over and we, we slay the lamb in the backyard and the blood and it's not anything like any of that. We don't even pray in King James at our house. We've alleviated the requirement to sound woo when we pray. And, and this happened when the girls were little and like we just kind of got in this rhythm, and I felt the Holy Spirit was challenging me to, to bring a, a mentoring model 
for you to see because many of you in this room, how many of you grew up in a home and you really never saw your family pray together? Like, I'm not talking about a meal or church, but how many of you never really saw your family pray together? Hold up your hand. Now look around. I want you to see that. Let's be honest here. And let me just say, don't let your kids answer that question that way 10 years from now. You can change it. And so this is the way it worked for us. Tracy and I would go in with the girls at night and, um, and just say, hey, let's pray. And what's on your heart? What do you feel like God is speaking to you? It's a pretty big deal in our life that we're listening to what God wants to say. So at a young age, we asked the girls. And Lexi would always say the same thing. She would say, I feel like God's telling me to share my toys with my sister. <laughs> so, so we would say, well, that's really good, Lexi. You're sharing your, choice, your toys with your sister. So like 50,000 times, this little three-year-old would say, share my toys with my sister. And 50,000 times we affirmed her, keep listening, God's having a conversation. Do you understand? Your children do not need a firing squad, they need a cheering squad. We need to affirm them and challenge them and encourage them. And if that's what was stirring in her heart, we accepted that right where she was and we just said, then you pray that. And we would pray, and she would pray, uh, Lord, God, help me pray. Help me share my toys with my sister. And then she would say, help us not to have bumps and weasels and Band-Aids. That's like mumps and measles and wounds. That's what she was talking about in her three-year-old language. And so it was so cute, and we actually have this recorded audio, and I was listening to it recently, and she came running out of the room. Shut that off! You know, she got really embarrassed. It was kind of funny. I'll play it for you sometime when she's here. It'll be great. And so we, you know, have worked at that all these years now. And then yesterday, we took some time just to pray. We were actually driving. And I said, hey, I wanted us to have a little bit of family prayer time. And we had some time on the road. And so I just said, okay, let's pray. What's on your heart? What's on your heart? What do you feel like God might be stirring, speaking? And one of uh, the girls didn't really have anything. And I said, all right, then you just pray and ask God's blessing on our family. I was being the priest and the prophet of our home. If you don't have something, let me just encourage you with something, and let's just pray. So you start, then you, then you, then I'll close. How many of you know that's like not that hard? I mean, does that break that down into simplicity for you to be able to understand? I didn't know that. I've not experienced that. You know, my family, we were crazy. We're still crazy, but we were crazy lost. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have that, that format. And now, thank God, our whole family is serving God. I want to say you and your household will be saved. You and your household can believe for household salvation. The Scripture is clear. Will you believe? Let's believe. So you just take a little bit of time in both those realms. You pray together. You have fun together. Get involved in the world that your kids live in, your grandkids, wherever you are in whatever stage or season of life. Purpose this. And the other element that I think is so important that we understand today continues Ephesians 1 verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Listen, when you believed. Your faith unlocked something. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you believe. How important is your faith? Like, we could talk about that for a while. Let me just, let me just say it this way. Your faith is a vitally important resource. How many of you have organs and you have vital organs? Okay, your faith is spiritually speaking a vital organ. And so, uh, 
Faith unlocks so much in your life, both in the natural and in the supernatural. If you've ever played any type of organized sports, you know what it's like when your team comes into a natural realm, confidence, faith, we're going to win. Even when you're behind, that momentum shifts inside before it shifts outside most of the time, right? We can identify with that. The same thing in the spirit realm around us. We've got to learn this in both realms. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. I will, I will be blessed. I will walk in strength. I will walk in life. I will declare health in every direction I go. I am blessed. I am flourishing. My world will flourish. If I'm in a business and I'm a part of a business or a company, that company is blessed. If I'm in a neighborhood, I was walking through, where before we moved into our new neighborhood, I was walking, and I like to walk and pray, and, and a guy stopped me, and he said, I see you walking out here all the time, and it looks like you're having a fight. You know, what, what's going on? And I said, I, I'm, just pray, you know, I'm just praying. And I said, to be honest with you, I feel like there is an enemy, and he's trying to destroy us, and I'm walking through this neighborhood declaring, this neighborhood is blessed. I've become a gate to heaven in the earth right here in this place. The crime rate goes down. Come on, that's who we are. We start to develop this confidence and this faith and this, this sense of strength and power and anointing. There was this research uh, study that they did in San Diego, and they took three teachers and 90 students, and they pulled the three teachers aside, and they said, look, the year's concluding next year. We've been evaluating this year, and we have determined that you three are the elite of the elite of our entire teaching team. It is amazing what you have been able to accomplish as we have evaluated. You're the best of the best, far beyond anybody else on the faculty. And they said, we're going to give you the 90 top students in our entire school system. And those students, they have the greatest aptitude and the greatest capacity and the greatest ability. Through our research, we know that this is the case. And we're going to give you this next year the three most elite teachers to work with the 90 most elite students. And how many know all those parents were really happy about this going on? And so they went through the course of the entire year, the elite teachers with the elite students, and they performed about 25% higher than the rest of the entire school performed. And then they pulled them back at the conclusion of the year into a conversation, and this is what they said. We weren't completely honest with you. We didn't do any research to determine who was elite. We drew names out of a hat. We don't know if you're good or bad teachers in terms of your quality or accomplishment in the classroom. That was not a part of the experiment. In the 90 students, we didn't do any research on them either. We just drew their names out of a hat, and we don't know what their capacity really is. But you were convinced that you were elite and you were working with elite so you had an anticipation and you had an expectation that you were going to succeed and you were going to advance. Can I tell you, your faith is a resource that you need to embrace in the natural and in the supernatural. You can do this. You can do it. You can score higher. You can go further. You can run faster. You're stronger than you think you are. The enemy is a liar and the power of God is at work within you more so than any force trying to come against you right now. Let's believe. Let's believe. See, faith awakens this attitude of expectation, and it creates an atmosphere of hope. How's your marriage going? 
Well, now you got to take me into all that conversation. Like, you had me going, like that class, that's great. For other people, that's just great. But now it's coming face to face. with. Listen, there's no giant like the giant you're facing in your own life, but you still have to stir yourself to believe. Stir yourself to believe. That giant not only will, uh, can fall, that giant will fall. That stone will be helped by the hand of God, and it will hit with precision right where it needs to hit and knock that sucker out. I like saying knock that sucker out. Somebody ought to just tweet that. Knock that sucker out today. (laughs) Let me just repeat the phrase. Faith awakens an attitude of expectation and creates an atmosphere of hope. Paralleling back to the promise of God being revealed through Abraham that's now talked about in the book of Ephesians, Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Boy, our faith is really important. Most of us have a faith. Few of us live by faith. Most of us are just crying out for the easiest possible road with very few adversaries or imposition. But I want to say to you, and you'll write it in your blank if you would, please, you were never created to live a life you could live without God's help. You were never created to live that kind of life. You need God's help to live out your God-created purpose and identity, and it's born from this attitude of faith. A life you can live without Him is not the life He's called you to live. Aren't you glad God doesn't consult your budget when He's determining your dream? How many of you are glad when you think about your dream you're glad. God didn't consult my budget to decide what his dream was for my life. I mean, be glad for that. But wouldn't you like it if God would consult with the dream to talk to the budget every once in a while? <clears throat> but that's our job. See, uh, what, what doesn't kill you will make you strong, right? But the truth is it will almost kill you before it ever makes you strong. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when times get tough. You are not created. I'm not, I, you got to understand, we live in a fallen world, and there's stuff that's going to come your way that God never intended for it to come your way. But when it does, you might go down, but you will not go out. <laughs> there's more in you than what you realize. And this is the thing, I just, I, I want to hit this with you, and I, I'm just going to I'm going to stand on this as firmly as I can. Family, you need to hear this. I need to pastor you in this. God is constantly trying to awaken greater revelations of faith in our lives. And all of the history of time, He has purposed our worship to be more than just showing up and doing a thing But our worship is actually an expression of our faith. And it's kind of like if you do enough reps, you know, you're constantly doing the workout. And then you come back later and you do the workout. How many know if you keep on doing the workout consistently, you will grow stronger? And your worship is actually an expression of your faith. And all throughout the ages, it's always involved the resources of our lives, our time, our energy, and our money. It's always involved. Worship, you go back and look, always in the temple, it always involved 
our, our giving our finance into a place the Bible defines, very important you get this, as the storehouse, the place that is stirring and building the legacy of faith in my heart and my life. And as I get in a reciprocal relationship of increase in my life and bringing tithe into the storehouse, there is something of the treasure that then trains my heart according to Scripture that is very important. Do you hear me loud and clear on this? I, you, you say, Pastor, are you asking me to reorganize my life so that the resource of my life kind of centers around God and the church and the work that He's doing in the earth? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. That is exactly what I'm asking you to do. That is exactly what God asks you to do. There are people to be saved. There are cities to be transformed. There are marriages to be rescued. There are depressed people to have that broken off of their lives because we carry a mantle and an anointing, and we need to be expanding the work of God in the earth. We need to be expanding the work of God in the earth. Come on, give God's Word home field advantage today. We need to be expanding the work of God in the earth. And every time we increase, it's those giving stations back there. It's the app. Every time we increase, just think about what I'm saying. Every time we increase, then we come face to face. Will we allow this to be a building of our faith? Or will we redefine it, make excuses, reorganize our thinking, call it something else, direct it in other, other ways? you got to understand this is a steady rhythm of exercising your faith to strengthen you so that God can promote you into places where he wants to promote you. And how many of you know it does not take God long to promote you? It takes God a while to prepare you, especially when you resist his method of preparation in your life. God can bring promotion in a day. Jesus sacrificially embraced and released God's blessing to the world around him, and so should we. May we follow his example. So in a few moments, I'm going to ask you, um, some of you in here perhaps will make a decision to follow Christ. Some of you in here will come to the reality, I'm not engaged the way I need to be engaged as a part of the family. And this merge card that's in the seat back in front of you, we talk about it all the time. You hear about it at the end as Tracy comes and talks about those who are guests with us today. This is the one piece of communication that's vitally important to us. And I'm going to ask you in just a few moments to really evaluate your faith. Evaluate where you are in an expression of the resource of your life. And if you need help getting involved, I mean, next week, I, I, listen, next week people are going to get saved in this room. I have faith for that. Do you have faith for that? Let's believe for that. People are going to get saved in this place. God is going to be doing something in them. That's what the Holy Spirit's been telling me. Don't come up with clever. Just cooperate with what I'm already doing deep in the heart of the people. I believe next week, every one of us, myself included, we're going to be awakened to a greater revelation of Christ. I'm believing. That's my prayer this week, my focal point. And we need you to be involved and connected in whatever, kids ministry, uh, tech all the things that we have going. If you're a gifted singer, musician, whatever area your gift is, I want you to put your faith into action. And listen, I know it can come across as a little hard sometimes, but I also realize Jesus chased off a lot of people in his ministry. And I want to ask you, think about 
It is not God's plan for you to simply show up to a church where everybody serves you and takes care of all your needs and you never help anybody else around you. That is not God's plan. God's plan is that we become disciples and that we serve Him and we serve each other and we engage and we be involved. The statement, Jesus sacrificially embraced and released God's blessing to the world around Him and so should we. Are you letting me pastor you today a little bit? Last verse, Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray, this has been my prayer for this church since I became the pastor. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Last statement, not going to try and preach it to you, but just so you have your blanks. Revelation and wisdom are many times inclined in opposite directions and both are necessary. Again, the expression of two realms. Why don't you stand with me? It's a beautiful thing when we gather together under the common purposes of the love of Christ. And I really do, uh, I really invite your prayer, your prayers for our leadership team because we really do want to do the best we can at getting this right. It's easy to get lost in all this stuff. I mean, I'm just being vulnerable with you. It's easy to get lost in the church world that you and I live in today easy to get lost in the wrong pursuits and the wrong ideas. We live in a society that's so driven to chase after success that the church is having an adulterous affair with that woman of success and nobody seems to even realize what's going on. God help us all. I'll say it again. We don't need a speaker to bring us clever. We need God to bring us power. That's what we need in the church. So, Father, uh, we just, every one of us in this room, we have to admit, none of us have it figured out. I just want to stand at the front of the line and say, Lord, I don't have this figured out. The only thing I really know is that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is love. Lord, I pray that today you just help us to embrace that revelation and possess that reality on another level as a result of our gathering and celebrating the depth of your word. In Jesus' mighty name.